Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be hearing from John Martellero of the Mac Observer. We'll also hear from Kirk McElhern, Macworld's iTunes guy. We'll focus on Apple's financials and a whole lot more on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have John Martellero of the Mac Observer who is with us this week, and we've got a big agenda to present. Now, first and foremost, Apple this week announced their quarterly financials. And the news, I guess, was kind of what was predicted. Mac sales are up slightly. iPhone sales are up by a pretty good clip. iPad sales, well... Not so much. Not so much. But let's look at some other things we learned from Apple. And that is, at one time, Apple and the Enterprise were on two different planets. Absolutely. And I was there. I was uh, in the trenches in 2000 to 2005 trying to uh, go toe-to-toe with Microsoft and PCs. Exchange server and all the tools and Outlook and Office and all the support that Microsoft gave to business. In many cases, uh, salespeople got laughed out of the CIO's office or or never got in. (laughs) So um, the PC wars are over. And what Apple has managed to successfully do, as I wrote in my article, is what I call a broad spectrum attack on the industry. I think it started with the iPhone and bring your own device. And the iPhone was such a wonderful device that people started telling their IT managers, hey, this is my phone of choice, support it. And then along came the iPad and that became an important business tool. And Apple realized that. And Apple has this partnership with IBM and IBM Mobility First. So Apple's been working to put some strategic pieces into place. As Tim Cook said in the earnings report, Uh, Each version of iOS that comes out has more and more support for enterprise issues, security, VPN, other important things for the enterprise to check their boxes and make it an important, indispensable business tool. So if you look at all the different things that Apple's doing with the iPad Pro, IBM Mobility First, including essential business enterprise features in iOS, working with Cisco, uh, their agreement to, to make mobility better performing. Apple has sort of done a military operation where you're attacking on multiple fronts. And, and the outcome of that is, is that in a reverse halo effect, I think uh, businesses are starting to reappreciate the advantages of MacBooks. You know, the MacBook is a pretty nice piece of hardware, whether it's a Pro or an Air or just a MacBook that can run a virtual machine system like Parallels Desktop or VMware's Fusion, and you can run Linux and Windows and Mac all on the same desktop on the same notebook computer. And you've got a pretty nice platform there. And IBM has been appreciating that. And I think the security of um, OS X, and as Tim mentioned, um, IBM now has 30,000 Macs in place, and they're planning on buying a whole lot more than that in just the remaining of this year. It's interesting. They pointed out something we've known for years. That support costs for a Mac compared to a PC are far, far less. Yes, we've known that for years. Amazing. And now IBM admits it, but that validates a claim that maybe people didn't believe when maybe Apple told you. But suddenly IBM says, of course, you know, we have only a small number of people around the entire company providing support for our Macs. And we set them up very simply 
I saw an article yesterday that talked about a significant amount of the support costs for Windows are related to changes in the operating system that throw people for a loop. Now, Apple's been very good about keeping the basics of OS X fairly consistent over the years so that when Yosemite replaces Mavericks, it's a no-brainer. You just keep on working. Everything is just pretty much the same. And when El Capitan replaces Yosemite, you're just, you hit the ground running. But the article I saw said that the changes that Microsoft has made in Windows 10 have people kind of scratching their heads and trying to figure out how to adapt to the new ways of doing things in some areas. Well, that's the problem with Microsoft. They don't understand how to make gradual improvements or to keep things within the same framework. So yeah, now you went to Windows 8, and it was a totally different interface. Windows 8 was so hosed. <laughs> and now, of course, you couldn't stand Windows 8, so now you have Windows 10, which kind of goes back to Windows 7, but changes things. Right. I'm not an expert on Windows 10. I've heard good things about it, technically sound, and, and reviewers are appreciating it and liking it. But Microsoft did stumble with Windows 8, and they have a lot of things to fix. They're in a bit of recovery mode. I do appreciate Microsoft as a corporation under Satya Nadella, this new CEO. Somebody asked me this morning how I thought Apple was going to do against Microsoft in the enterprise and I said, well, if Steve Ballmer were still the CEO, very well indeed. But now with Satya Nadella in place, it's going to be uh, a tough sledding. So uh, I do appreciate what Microsoft has been doing about developing their products on all platforms and, and being less of a copycat company and finding their own way and their own vision. You've got to give them credit for you know sticking with the Surface line product has gotten better and better. I had a chance to look, not handled. Well, I did handle one at the Microsoft store and I was pretty impressed with the Surface 3. Not an expensive computer, but very nice hardware. And I'm thinking that the Surface 4's Pro is probably even nicer. The um, issue, of course, is that Microsoft looks at the notebook different than Apple. Yes, they do. They look at the notebook as something that's a convertible. And this goes back to the earliest days of their concept of tablets, which is you take a notebook PC, you remove the screen, and you add maybe touch capability and a stylus. And even today, the new Surface Book, which is their highly touted MacBook Pro competitor at a higher price, sometimes a much higher price, well, it's that same image again. It's the convertible notebook. And I don't know, what's the use case for that? I don't know that people really want that. If they want a tablet, they get a tablet. If they want a notebook, they get a notebook, but it doesn't always work so well when you try to combine them. Yeah, that's something that Tim Cook steadfastly insists on right now, that the use case and the, and the, the, the psychology and the ergonomics of using a notebook are very different than using a tablet. It's no accident that I believe when Steve Jobs first introduced the iPad, I think it was at Macworld in 2010 in January, he was in an armchair and he had it resting on his lap comfortably and touching it. That was no accident. That was the sort of, uh, you know, the quintessential design point for how you use an iPad. You sit with it in your lap, your legs are crossed, you, you do some touching. And people glommed onto that right away and suddenly realized that this could replace your PC in many cases. You just had to sit comfortably and do some touching. I have a friend who's sort of Macintosh challenged even. And she struggled for years trying to keep up with system management and using her iPad and little quirks and mail and things like that. Once she got a hold of an iPad, she got rid of her MacBook 
And she uses an iPad exclusively because it's all she needs. You know, she does her, she has her knitting database on it and she has her email and she browses and she does her shopping. Everything she needs is right there on, on an iPad. But that introduces other problems, which we're going to talk about later. Well, certainly we'll get into the issue of the tablets and also the fact that the iPad continues to lose sales. So what was it, 20 percent down this past quarter since 2014 sales of the ipad have gone down i think they reached a peak of 20 million in one quarter and then we've had a seven quarter decline seven quarters in a row declining sales so it was like 9.6 million this past quarter let's talk more about what microsoft and apple are doing and we've kind of hinted on both here with regard to figuring out the tablet and seeing where to go next But first of all, let me remind you that we have a new feature of the show called, rather, it's Tech Night Owl Minute. So we have a new feature called Tech Night Owl Minute that we're experimenting with now. And you can access it through our premium service called Tech Night Owl Plus. Tech Night Owl Plus is the ad-free version of this show. You learn more about it, about our low-cost and even lifetime membership plans at plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer has a huge agenda left for us to cover. Let's get to it in the next segment. If your Mac has slowed down or isn't performing like it used to, there's a smart alternative to buying a new machine thanks to OWC. With easy do-it-yourself upgrades for every Mac, OWC has what you need to get the most from your computer. From memory and SSDs to ultra-fast external storage, take it from me. You'll discover all the ways you can upgrade your Mac today at MacSales.com. That's MacSales.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. You wouldn't go swim with the sharks without a cage, would you? Hey, has anyone seen Larry? It's in our nature to protect ourselves, especially when protection is simple and affordable. That's why IDStronghold.com has been providing affordable RFID protection for over 10 years. ID Stronghold wallets protect you from electronic pickpockets who pass near you with a scanner and steal your credit and debit card info, as well as data from other cards containing RFID chips. IDStronghold.com, the original maker of shielded wallets, is a technology company, so we understand how to best protect you against intrusive radio waves. ID Stronghold wallets are designed to block RFID signals, open or closed, no matter where in the wallet you put your cards. Most other RFID wallets on the market were designed with only fashion in mind and don't shield properly, if at all. If you're shopping for your next wallet, be sure to get the protection you deserve by going to IDStronghold.com because getting anything else is like being the next victim in a Jaws movie. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, 
There's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Young people are supposed to be full of energy and recover quickly from exercise. Their age should give them a great advantage to feeling good all the time. However, young people of today are dealing with the same nutrient-deficient food as everyone else in America. So it does not matter whether you are 15 or 85. If your biochemistry is off, you cannot feel your best. Listen to the real-world results of James. My name is James Ashley. I'm 25 years old. At the end of a tiring work shift, I used not to do much around the house. Since I started taking the new technology enhanced One World Way after work, I have so much energy when I get home that I'm able to take long walks, do chores, and even honey the do list from the wife. It's plenty enough energy to get things done around the house and time to settle down before bedtime. This way protein gives me outstanding amount of long-lasting feel-good energy. I'm astonished of how great this product makes me feel. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam Nussbaum with the Anthem Foundation. Premature birth is the leading cause of death of babies and disabilities for children. That's why we support the March of Dimes to help mothers have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in supporting cutting-edge research, treatment and outreach to help moms during their pregnancy, and give every baby a healthy start in life. Learn how you can help at marchofdimes.org. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have John Martellero of the Mac Observer, and we're talking about a variety of subjects in the wake of Apple's earnings report where they had another record quarter and things I guess are looking up for this quarter because Apple's stock price has actually gone up. Usually it goes down after a quarterly report. But let's get back to the subject of tablets. So we know iPad sales are down. Microsoft is looking to expand the Surface tablet trying to find a proper direction. Their direction seems to be the convertible tablet, which is it's a traditional notebook PC in various configurations, but with a screen that on the Surface Book is something that you remove. And but, Windows 10 everywhere. Oh, yeah, everybody has Other Windows 10. Even on a OS. smartphone, all three people who buy Lumia smartphones now will get Windows 10? Yay. <laughs> I can't wait. That is an interesting philosophy. I wrote about that a few weeks ago. Uh, Apple and Microsoft uh, raced to rethink the tablet. And I explored the idea of a single OS versus a mobility OS. And what I think was happening was is that while Microsoft was struggling to in, in the 90s to merge Windows 98 and Windows NT and get to a single classy you know, multitasking, memory-protected, modern operating system that morphed into Windows 2000 and then Windows XP. Apple found itself in a situation where, when it was first imagining the iPad, uh, realized that 
OS 10 was not really the right operating system for mobility. And they already had a really great mobility operating system, iOS. And so it was a very natural thing to do to put iOS on a tablet. And so that forked the BSD Unix underneath. And so Apple then had two operating systems. That made perfect sense in a sense because the hardware was limited and there was a very clear vision for how you use a tablet in the form of an iPad and how you touch it and how you manipulate it and all the gestures that came out of that. And we know about that. But I wondered what would have happened had the hardware been a whole lot more sophisticated and advanced. You know, at WWDC, or maybe it was the September 9th event, Phil Schiller showed a chart how the CPU of the iPad Air 2 or Pro, iPad Pro, one of those, is 22 times faster than the original iPad, and the graphics performance is 300 times faster. And so what's happened is, is that the iPad has gotten a whole lot more powerful over the years, and yet that coherence between iOS for the phone and iOS for the tablet has, in some ways, don't get me wrong, kind of made the iPad to be a supersized iPhone that is, in some sense, shackled or held back in its growth because Apple kept iOS on the phone and iOS on the tablet very similar to each other. And I perceive that there's a time, hopefully coming soon, when the hardware gets so powerful on the t iPad that Apple can conceivably break away and make it its own thing, its own device. And you're seeing that in the iPad Pro. You're seeing the slide over and the split screen and the picture-in-picture -picture and the use of a stylus and the use of a keyboard and more memory. So Apple's nibbling along the edges of giving the iPad its own place, its own rightful position in the spectrum. And that means features on the iPad that you can't get on the iPhone, nor do you need. And I think this is good. The thing that still bothers me a little bit is the, the silly home screen on a 12-inch screen where you've got these icons, you know, and, you, and it's very hard to manage your icons. Have you ever tried to rearrange your home screens where you've got a missing page or you want to add a page, you have to go to the Macintosh to do some serious management? It's still not very easy to do serious housekeeping with your various pages on an iPad. And of course, we, we got an edict from Steve from day one that you would never have visibility into the operating system. So, you know, there's no USB port and you don't really see the file system and you've got strong sandboxing and that's kind of slowed things down a little bit in terms of productivity, cross-application editing and workflow and things like that. You can be very productive on an iPad within specific boundaries, especially if you get really, really expert at it. But it, it is admittedly a, a very restrictive tool. Of course, you appreciate the security as a result of that. You know, I never had any problems surfing around the internet. You can touch just about anything and go anywhere and you, you feel pretty safe on the iPad. But I argue today in a new article that we're just at the beginning. The, the future has not been written for the iPad. The, the, the future has got a, a long span in front of us. And I think we're seeing an inflection point, in my opinion, in these sales declining. I think it's the inability to invoke fabulous hardware and the inability to make it its own thing and to bring great sophistication and difference in the iPad operation has resulted in people saying, well, the iPad I have is good enough. And that has hurt sales. Well, that's the thing. Even though Apple will introduce features in the iOS that don't work on those older iPads, 
that's still a compelling factor. For most people, it doesn't matter. Now, the new multitasking features. So for the most advanced multitasking split view, you've got to have an iPad Air 2, the new iPad Mini 4, the iPad Pro 3 models we're talking about. You have an older iPad, you don't do that. Right. Now, the other consideration we have is the sandboxing because it prevents certain apps from being developed. And I think, for example, this radio show, or other people probably do it the same way. We use Audio Hijack to capture a Skype connection. And Skype, with a good mic, is good enough to mimic the quality almost of a direct network. To capture the audio, we use Rogue Amoeba's Audio Hijack. But the key here is that you can't have that because of sandboxing on the iPad. You can't have one app capture the audio stream from another app. Now, I assume Apple at one point can develop a way of doing that with an extension or something. And that's also available now, extensions for iOS. And maybe Apple will one day say, yeah, you know, people might want to capture audio this way. So I can't grab the audio for the show. Now, I guess I can edit it on an iPad like with GarageBand. But then we have the other point, which is the file system because I'm bouncing around lots of files to do these shows, copying things from one to the other on the iPad. Unless you have access to the file system, how do you do that? I think that's a great characterization of the situation. My view is is that in the future, 10 years from now, we'll just laugh and we'll have moved on and things will change quite a bit. I have great optimism in the technical future for the iPad. And I think one of these days, it's going to be you know our standard device for doing everything that we do. You know, you watch a science fiction movie, what, are they're not going to show people in the year 2050 using notebook computers. They're going to show people using iPads. It's our sort of our cultural, technical psyche that iPads are the future. And because of that, I think it's just a question of time and evolution. Apple's in a good position to do that because that's a, Apple's a company that moves relentlessly forward. I went to WWDC for 17 years in a row, and it was a dizzying experience. Point okay. being here, of course that Apple looks forward to something as a long-range investment. They don't give it up this week if it gets difficult. They stick with it and they keep improving it and improving it until it clicks. We'll have another thing to click on in a moment, but right now we're going to do a brief break on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. My name is Dell, and I live in El Cajon, California. I was concerned about my cholesterol readings because I knew that high cholesterol is related to clogging of the arteries and increases the risk for heart attack and stroke. One day, I heard an ad for heart and body extract, and I was skeptical, but I decided to give it a try. Man, the numbers don't lie. Learn the secrets of an effective, natural, 100% organic nutritional supplement for a healthy heart and circulation at hbextract.com. It's time to kick some ash because cigarettes have met their match. Smokers are switching to Vapriate e-liquid by LaSig because when you kick ash, you kick tar and smelly smoke too. LaSig smokes the competition with real people customer service, a seven-day satisfaction guarantee, and same-day fast-free shipping. Become a vapor today at LaSig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com. LaSig e-cigarettes. Kick some ash. Kick some ash. 
Many are in disbelief today after word of shocking allegations against a Minnesota-based talk syndication company known as GCN. It's claimed that they're the fourth largest talk syndication company in the U.S., making it even more scandalous that they've been accused of helping business owners expose themselves on a massive scale. Let's go live to Tom for more on this story. It's being called the greatest exposure of our lifetime, while other business owners are beginning to step forward claiming they, too, exposed themselves with the help of GCN. It's true. They're all guilty. Every last one of them. GCN helped me get the exposure my company needed, and just think, that was years ago. Today, GCN has like 700 affiliate stations and over 6 million downloads from iTunes and their website every month. Imagine the exposure your company can get. Expose your business to the masses. Email advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. GCN. My dad was 59 when he collapsed from a heart attack late last year. Just this past August was when we spread his ashes on the St. Croix River. I loved my dad, but boy was he stubborn. He hadn't been to the doctor in over 25 years. His excuse? He simply couldn't afford it. He wasn't a rich man by any means. At less than $107 per month, libertyoncall.org would have been the perfect alternative for my father. Don't wait. Go to libertyoncall.org right now for not just your sake, but for the sake of your loved ones. Again, that's libertyoncall.org. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Get on board with the tax admiral. Don't pick on the IRS alone. I'll cut penalties and reduce your overall tax bill. Sometimes I can even get it zeroed out completely. We're an A-rated company helping people clean up their mess with the IRS. If you owe $10,000 or more, then call the tax admiral. Call 800-287-7180. Again, that's 800-287-7180. 800-287-7180. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg, and we persist in talking about Apple's persistence with regard to the iPad. And almost every one of these quarterly conference sessions with Tim Cook, since the iPad sales started going down, he's telling us, look at the response and how many people are buying them for the first time and all this other stuff. But you understand that people are skeptical. They're thinking, you know what? He's just making an excuse for something he can't sell. 
Well, I don't think a lot of people listening to um, Tim Cook's earnings report, even though it's easily available at the Apple website, you can just fire up your headphones and listen in with Safari. Uh, it gets kind of boring, especially with all the analysts' questions about about gross margins and this and that technical stuff. I think the, the, the question is, what do people see when they go into the Apple store? You know, they've maybe got an iPad 4 or an iPad Air, and they walk into the Apple store and they see an iPad Air 2. You know, you have to really work hard to convince them that their iPad Air can't do the job. And then there's the race forward also has a negative impact in that developers are hard-pressed sometimes to maintain their software, get it under the store, deal with customers, provide customer support, and then include and debug the latest uh, features that Apple provides in the operating system. And, and so there's always that lag where you don't have a, a full exploitation of Apple's latest features. I mean, we're still looking for enlisting, you know, the handful of apps that can exploit 3D touch. So it takes time. I, I think what we're seeing is, is that Apple's finally got the idea that it needs to start breathing technical life in, but we're limited by the hardware capability we have, the battery technology, uh, what kind of graphics chip that you can develop. And the A9X is a powerful performer. It's more powerful than the Cray supercomputers of the past by a long margin. But there's certainly so, so many things you can do on a touchscreen with the technology that we have. And I'm looking forward to the day when you know, those technology shackles are released and we have images floating in front of us or we have iPads that are very light and thin and run super fast and we can talk to our iPads and we've got more sophistication in the hardware and in Siri and we don't ever have to think about using a keyboard again. You know, we're still kind of stuck with a keyboard the vision of the future is is that keyboards go away, whether it's Star Trek or whatever science fiction movie you watch. You don't see too many keyboards. So we got that to work on. And I think it's just a question of time. I, I think what we're seeing is, is that the vision for the iPad was early, that Steve Jobs was brilliant, that the engineers worked very hard. They didn't have great hardware with the original iPad. Uh, it was kind of thick and it was slow and we did the best we could. And that kind of set the stage for the iPad for a few years. But I think over time, uh, things are going to get a lot better. And I, I'm thinking that in five years, that curve will have completely reversed. And, and like my friend who has just her iPad, uh, the vision that we first had, that you can dispense with your PC and, and live with an iPad is going to finally be instantiated. That's my opinion. So in a year or two, we may look back at this and say, well... It's going to take five years. You think five years. So it's not going to be a year years. or two. It's going to be, at some point, sales will flatten. They won't keep declining. My prediction is, is that the iPad Pro will stem the rate of decline and zero it out. So after the iPad Pro has been for sale for a quarter or two, I think you'll see the sales start to climb a little bit above 10 million, maybe maybe 11 million. And so you'll see that that slide reversed. And then, of course, we're, we're looking forward to an iPad Air 3, potentially in the spring. What surprises Apple has there, we don't know. Maybe the screen will be small enough, unlike the iPad Pro, which does not have 3D touch. Perhaps the uh, iPad Air 3 will. And Apple will start uh, you know, folding in its, its new vision of, of the iPad. And finally, we'll get to the point where people will say, 
you know, my iPad 3 with its 30-pin connector just doesn't cut it anymore. It's too slow. doesn't have the features I need. It's, it's a complex task for Apple to balance all of this. And technology doesn't just happen. You know, it's hard work. But it requires being persistent. It's not, well, if sales aren't so good this quarter, give it up. But then Microsoft it's, it's, doesn't necessarily give up things either. Yeah, that's true. I mean, look at Microsoft's persistence with the Surface Pro series. Yeah, they stuck with it, and it seems to be sort of paying off. Although, I did read that they still sold less than a million um, surfaces in the most recent quarter. Um, I think Microsoft had its earnings report a week or two ago, and the number was something like 988,000, if I remember right. So that still pales in comparison to Apple's 9 or 10 million per quarter. Nowhere to go but up, right? <laughs> Indeed, and they'll open more stores and maybe it'll work. Okay, there goes the tablets. Five years from now, John and I will be talking, if I'm still here, and we'll go over it and see how Apple is doing. Now, we're going to look at another big thing that Apple may or may not be working on, which is the Apple car. And you've got an article. What would happen if a future Apple autonomous car made a very bad decision? Now, you think of the fact that we have cars already doing automated functions. A lot of new cars have lane change warnings and they have intelligent cruise control. So they always stay a specific distance Mm -hmm. from the car in front of them, enhanced braking systems, blind spot warnings. And this is stuff that's filtering down to relatively inexpensive cars. So you're finding these features now on cars that people can actually afford, which is really good. And now we have this new software from Tesla for their cars that also provides some sort of intelligent cruise control. and Talking about autopilot. Autopilot, yes. It's like intelligent cruise control and lane change control and things like that. Of course, with a lane change warning, it has to have some way to detect you're in a different lane, such as the markers between lanes, things like that. So on an old country road, it may not work so well. Regardless, on the highway, a big that super highway. sounds dangerous. Uh, yeah, old country road at night with oncoming traffic only a meter or two away. Sounds pretty scary. Well, I've done that, so I know what it feels like. In any case here, we're going to have to do a break in a moment, but maybe we can start here. Your article about a very bad decision, does that mean doing the wrong thing that leads to an accident? Yeah, I have to give credit first to Tim Bejerin. I read his article at... Um, tech opinions uh, that was uh, later rerun at Recode. And uh, he's president of Creative Strategies, and he had a very thoughtful essay uh, about autonomous cars and their ethical conundrum. Of course, this is going to be a gradual process. You know, we're not going to have autonomous cars overnight. We have to go through years and years of testing and adaption. And that autopilot mode you mentioned in the Tesla S is just uh, a baby step in that direction. But we have to distinguish between uh, a car that does all this technical stuff and that can drive by itself with the passenger still observing everything and in control of the car to a future many years down the road, perhaps five to 10, Tim thinks it might be three to five, when you have a complete autonomous car. And I saw a Nissan concept just before we went on the air uh, at Mashable, look for that, about a car that doesn't have a steering wheel at all, doesn't have any user controls. You get into the car, and there's a dashboard in front of you that has status, but you're not in control of the car at all. 
And that's a sea change. I mean, that'll, that will have to be a very gradual process and will still alarm a lot of people. Well, of course, I hope it doesn't become like a Johnny Cab. Remember a Johnny Cab? In the movie Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Paul Verhoeven movie oh, yeah. from 1990. <laughs> There's also iRobot with uh, Will Smith. Yeah, sure, but star. okay, but with the Johnny Cab, it was just a robot that would do mm-hmm. the driving. Mm-hmm. And of course, the way Arnold handled that is when Johnny Cab wouldn't listen to him, he picked up the robot, threw it out, and did manual control. And that's the thing, too. If you have some kind of autonomous control or autopilot, the key is to be able to control it manually in case of an emergency. We've got more to talk about. Apple right. Car and more. All right. John Martellaro's here. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. First game attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. So you've got to take a state construction license exam or certification. Can't decide on what books or what chapters to study? Discover right now how you can eliminate unnecessary books and wasted study time. At ContractorExam.com, our study materials zero in on state-required test topics in an effective, multiple-choice format. So whether you're a plumber, electrician, general contractor, or other construction-related trade, ContractorExam.com will help get you prepared. Visit us at www.ContractorExam.com today. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Hey, Berkey Guy here. Are you still drinking unfiltered tap water? Does your water contain chlorine or fluoride? Will you have drinkable water in an emergency? The Berkey Guy is here to help you remove these and other potential contaminants from your water, thus helping you drink clean, purified water. We offer Berkey water purification systems at the lowest available prices online. Don't go another moment without Berkey System. Over the last 10 years, we've helped thousands drink clean, purified water. Join them by visiting GoBerkey.com or call me, the Berkey Guy, at 877-886-3653. That's 877-886-3653. 
Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to produce an endless supply of nano-sized silver solutions right from the convenience of your home. Silver Lungs. With the addition of our unique lung delivery system, respiratory infections are targeted directly, where traditional oral administration simply cannot reach. This pioneering method also preserves the original particle sizes and delivers your silver solution directly into the bloodstream. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. So, do you want to let somebody else, a machine, do the driving for you? Well, Tim had a great use case here. He, 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 sometimes in order to fully explore an ethical situation, you do have to go a bit over the top and look at the worst possible scenario. And his example that he posed at a conference, he said, suppose there's an intersection where a fully autonomous car that's fully in control, you have no input, is approaching the intersection where a school bus has almost finished turning, a kid on his bike is in the crosswalk, and an elderly woman is about to enter the crosswalk on the right of the car. And suddenly there's a brake failure, a mechanical failure, and the car has no control over braking, but it has, does have control over the steering. And it has to decide, and it only has three choices, hit the school bus, hit the kid on the bicycle on the crosswalk, or run over the old woman who's standing on the edge of the crosswalk. Some of us, choices. by the way, would disagree over these choices. Well, well, that's an interesting thought experiment. And the question he raised was, how do you develop an algorithm to make a decision about what it's going to do in a critical situation like this. Who do you kill? I countered with another consideration that Tim did not mention in his article, and that is the algorithm shouldn't be focusing on how it's going to respond on the outside. It should be responding on the basis of its owner, to whom it has the ultimate responsibility. And the algorithm should say what course of action minimizes the potential danger, physical danger, to my occupants to whom it has the first responsibility. And so if you, if you change the, the game there, you might say, well, run over the old woman who weighs 85 pounds and you're going to likely survive the, the accident. There's all sorts of ethical considerations here. Tim went on to talk about how companies are hiring or should hire philosophers to explore these deeply, deeply ethical issues. Because once we transition from autopilot mode where you're in front of controls and you can seize control of the car, 
and the car does smart things for you. There was a great article today, I forget what the website was, about a guy driving a Tesla as at night in Seattle in the rain. Somebody took a turn right in front of him, and the car saw that and stopped and avoided a, uh, a T-bone collision or a head-on collision with the car. It's an awesome video. So cars can help you. That's the first stage. And cars can initiate action with you still in control. That's the next phase. And then over the years, we're going to get to the point where the cars are going to start making life and death decisions for us as we sit in and play cards or talk on the phone. And that's the question. That's the jackpot question is the, the development of those algorithms, the ethical issues, uh, the responsibility of the company. Uh, whether you can sue the company or whether it has an end user agreement. When you buy the car, it says, we're not responsible for anything this car does. You know, what's that going to do to sales? On the other hand, if you don't take responsibility, how are customers going to trust you? There's ethical decisions with respect to deciding in court who, who bears responsibility. And, and you know, the, the, Volk, the Volkswagen case recently caused us pause because here was a company with tinkering with its software to pass emissions test. What if a company tinkers with its software to uh, eliminate a video that was captured just before an accident that is incriminating? Suppose a police officer or an ex-Air Force pilot sees a car, it was a reliable witness, sees a car do something outrageously dangerous, and the car software says, no, we didn't do anything dangerous. Here's the logs. Who do you believe? Does the court take the uh, evidence from the computer printout? Or do they take the evidence from a human witness? Now, some insurance companies give you also a tracker, which hooks into your car's onboard diagnostic system. And what it does is it records events while you're driving. Mm -hmm. Do you brake too fast? Do you accelerate too fast? Do you exceed a certain speed that they regard as a safe speed? And that information is fed to your insurance company. Mm -hmm. And on the basis of that information, they decide whether to give you a discount on your insurance rate and how much. And it's also a matter of sensitivities. Like, for example, one car I had, it would constantly report that I had incidents of hard braking. Even when I went to the local convenience store, which is like a mile and a half away, right. I'm driving at 35, 40 miles an hour. There's hardly any opportunity to do much braking, but every time I stop the car, even if I did as gradually as I could, it would report a hard braking incident. And let me guess, everybody believes the computer and thinks that the human being behind the wheel is being irrational and excusing themselves. Part of it also is the interface with your car's computer system, because cars these days have all sorts of computerized junk running around behind the dash. They also have to be adjusted in such a way so they are always accurate. And in this case, my feeling was it was not accurate. I replaced the module with great protest and stopped reporting hard braking. Mm -hmm. Here's a scenario for you. How about if your wife is pregnant and she's ready to give birth and you're very much in a hurry to get to the hospital and you're willing to take a little risk here and there to speed things up and if a policeman pulls you over, you you know wouldn't even mind going faster with a police escort to get to the hospital. How do you explain to your autonomous car that's completely programmed for safety, that's, uh, that's going to trundle you along at 34 miles an hour in a 35 zone, uh, that um, 
your wife is uh, in need of immediate hospitalization. How do you deal with situations like that? Well, I think in a situation like that, they would have to allow you to have an exception. Yeah, but a lot of these autonomous cars may or may not have user controls. They do not have user controls. Mm -hmm. But I would think that you would offer that online where specify an exception. Well, on this date, I had to take my wife to the hospital. She was having a baby. And they can always show, for example, (laughs) if you have verification like you have police escort. Well, the police would have to submit a statement that you... Now, of course, the thing to bear in mind, too, is just one incident or one driving session doesn't disqualify you. It's all averaged out. Another question I raised in my article was, what if um, the car industry uh, generates ethical rules that conflict with the insurance industry's philosophy? Perhaps the ethical rules that are instantiated by the car company are unfavorable to the insurance company. In other words, in the example I gave is, is uh, which has more value, the beloved dog you have in the back seat or another person's $500,000 Ferrari? Everybody would argue in court that the life of a dog, which is irreplaceable, is more important than a car, a physical thing that can be replaced. I would argue that without exception. Let Let me just say something, John. you're (laughs) You're talking over me. I would argue that my dog, Teddy Bear, has preference over anything just as much as a human being does. But the auto industry, or the insurance companies would say what, John? Insurance company would say that the uh, value of the dog is less than the value of the Ferrari. And so we're not going to pay for um, this Ferrari's damage, even though the autonomous car caused the accident. And that also goes back to liabilities here, too. Mm-hmm. If the autonomous car has a failure, has a software failure. I mean, humans have failures, and the assumption is an autonomous car will have less incidence of failure. Unless, of course, it's running Microsoft software, in which case it wouldn't make it to the next street. That used to be the old joke. I don't know if you remember that joke. We used to joke about Windows, that if we had Windows controlling your car, it wouldn't make it to the next block without stopping or otherwise failing. Well, there was a famous daylight savings time error about a decade or two ago. Remember that one? Oh, sure. The, the programmer said, okay, what time is it? It's one in the morning. Turn your clock back an hour. Okay, and then an hour later, the software said, oh, it's one in the morning. Turn your clock back an hour. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> oh, I remember when they said the world would end <laughs> in the year 2000. That's it. And maybe it did, and we're still just arguing over it, and we don't realize that. But the key, of course, is liability with regard to an autonomous car. And you'd have to basically deal with every single state different countries, different jurisdictions, Mm -hmm. the provinces of Canada, insurance companies, state regulators. It'd be very, very complicated. Perhaps the federal government or the governments in other countries would have to come up with a state of law, with a bunch of laws. And the problem with that is, of course, that each country will have its own laws unless the UN got together and set up a single worldwide standard, which will never happen, of course, a single worldwide standard for autonomous vehicles So that wherever you drive, wherever you live, you know you have a certain set of rules, a certain set of liabilities. But at the end of the day, I think the customer would hope that if it's Google, if it's Apple, if it's Tesla, if it's GM or Volkswagen, whoever the car maker is, they would have to take ultimate responsibility for 
their software, their hardware, which causes harm. we got more to talk about. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer is here. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich? Working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? Do you hate spending hundreds of dollars every week on daycare? Having someone else raise your children? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. At Be The Boss Network, you'll find hundreds of work-from-home opportunities that you can literally start today and be earning money as soon as next week. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss. Get out of the rat race. Work from home. Go to freedom106.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number 106.com. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom106.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have plus.technightowl.com. Go to plus.technightowl.com to learn about our premium service for a low subscription fee, Monthly, annual, five years, the rest of your life or my life. You get the ad-free version of this show, and we're just starting to break in the Tech Night Owl Minute. More to come. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. Obviously, if we're having autonomous cars in the next three to five years, we have to figure out who's going to have the liabilities, what kind of regulations will there be. If your car software fails and somebody gets killed, do you go to jail? Oh, that's an excellent question. Yes. I mean, I'd rather put the president of GM, and especially the chairman of Volkswagen, after what they pulled, in jail. But nobody will go to jail when there's liability like that. As we've discussed, there's huge legal, technical, ethical issues involved here. It's time we started talking about them now, of course, because as we know, technology moves very fast. And the rate of development of these technologies is astounding. And every company that we have heard about is working on autonomous cars. 
Um, the question is how soon it will, how soon they'll come out. Um, and how, how long it will take to develop this technology. It could be like an iPad, you know, it could be that the industry will push hard, develop these autonomous cars. They'll come out, they'll have problems. There'll be accidents, there'll be issues. And then people will pull back from them. And then we'll say, well, maybe we've got another 10 years of work to do. Um, that could happen. And, and the other thing is the, the, the choice of software and the security of the software that you write. Uh, I wrote an article earlier in the year about provably secure software and how there are languages that are better suited to uh, writing secure code. There's the issues of uh, bugs in the code, uh, and there's the issues of outside influence on the car. We've already seen the fuss um, that's been raised about some cars uh, being hackable from the outside. And it's a question of how, there's a question about how easy that is and how much sophistication it takes to do that, but it has been demonstrated. So your car has to be secure because it'll be connected to the internet. Wow, that'll be cool. Um, your car has to be written in, in with the kind of language that promotes writing reliable code. Um, the companies that make these cars will have to invest enormous amounts of money in artificial intelligence experts and in ethical uh, solutions and the lawyers will have fun uh, along the way. Uh, it's going to be an amazing change. I we think to, even after these cars come out, they will be in limited <laughs> testing for many years. It's not yes. going to be a quick thing. Yes. But yes. will Apple come out with a car? We go back to that. We're talking about, what, 2019, 2020. I think will they almost... come out with a car? And if they do, will the autonomous capabilities be very limited at the start? Well, that's a good way of putting it. Um, it's almost certain Apple's going to be coming out with an electric car. Uh, and it's almost certain that Apple is going to change the game when it comes to the integration of software technology and automobiles. And it goes without saying that Apple's going to bring its expertise in, in the user interface and integration with the battery system to the front. And, and so it's going to be an amazing car. Uh, and, of course, it's going to have to take into account the current technologies that are available, as you mentioned, proximity sensors, uh, lane change monitoring, uh, distance keeping, and so on. How far Apple takes that in the first car, we don't know. It's certainly not going to be an autonomous car in 2019, I would guess, because we have a ways to go there and a lot of issues to work out. What's got me enthusiastic about the Apple car is, is that this is a company that has enormous capability in engineering, in software development tools, in user interfaces, and integrating hardware and software. Those technology levels are way beyond what car companies have exhibited in the past, or even in the recent past. And so I think Apple is going to astound us with a car that is, is going to embarrass the rest of the industry because the rest of the industry has been sort of half-hearted in integrating their technology into cars. And it, it disheartens me to see car commercials on TV where they talk about hands-free texting as a feature. Oh, you'll be able to continue to text, but don't worry, it'll be safe and legal because you know, you'll be able to do it hands-free. And so I, I think there's some lack of coherence and focus on the part of these com car companies about how to build a really safe car and how to build a great user interface. And then there was the story that I read the other day about 
No, I saw it on, on NBC News about how when you talk to your car, there's a, there's a period of distraction afterwards that doesn't exist when you simply do the typing with your fingers, which is illegal in many states. You know what? I want to say this before we go on. I think that what you can do with the car in terms of instructing the infotainment system to do something should be limited. Like you want to dial a phone call, fine call xx party or xx number that's fine do you want to switch to a different channel or station on your radio or play track seven on my cd if anyone has a cd anymore that's what i think it should be limited to as soon as that becomes too sophisticated and maybe for navigation also once it gets too sophisticated Mm. like texting you add too many features there's a source of distraction yeah, I understand that the car makers are doing it because Apple is doing it and Google is doing it with their Android play and everything. They are forcing you to add features that we never needed with driving before. You know, there are times when you have to be disconnected from your infotainment. I don't mean not having something flash on the screen with an emergency message like you might on Apple Watch or something like that, and that maybe you need to call somebody back right away. But as soon as you get beyond call this number, even then when you talk to somebody on the phone, even if it's hands-free, you should be careful. And I tend to keep the conversations real short. I don't want to get into the fine details because I'm driving. Yes, and that's your first responsibility. There's also the issue of training you know, when I was a young man, I was being taught how to drive. I was taught to do a cycle. You Didn't they use orders. horse and buggy then, though, when you uh, were young? No, I don't think so. Thanks. You, you go through a cycle. You go to your side view mirror. You go to your rear view mirror. You go to your speedometer. You go to your other instruments. You, you work outside. You go out the back window. You go out the front window. You're constantly surveilling the outside situation and the interior situation in a cycle. And that that always struck me as something that that is related to the idea of training yourself to drive a car. I was talking to a friend who used to be an Air Force pilot when these um, hands-free systems with phones first started coming out and people were were being distracted because they didn't there's there's a mental state that you can get into where you lose focus. You're talking and a part of your brain that's doing the talking is is consuming all your CPU cycles. And it's distracting from the physics simulator that you've got in your head that tells you what's going to happen physically in front of you next if certain actions are taken. The other question I want to ask, because we have to break it a second, Mm -hmm. is, is there a difference between talking to somebody on the phone or having somebody next to you engage in conversation? There very well could be, depending on the psychology and the technology of the situation. Uh, Because of uh, cell phone dropouts or a lag or you're stepping on each other or you're you're talking in a different way you're trying to make a point um because the person's far away uh, there are communication issues that are not present uh the way somebody is next to you somebody who's next to you is also participating in the situation also often when my wife and i are driving i'm saying okay i'm going to shut up now because we're in heavy traffic and you have to merge onto the interstate so i'm going to go quiet for a minute the person on the other end of the cell phone doesn't know that and they don't respect it. So you have to take control. Yes, take control. Sounds like a company that makes ebooks. 
<laughs> you know, well, I just gave him a free ad. I should send him a bill over to Adam Ingston. They'll send it right back. That's where we Tanya's go. great. Yeah. yeah. In, in our next segment, we'll talk about Apple turning its back on 4K ultra high definition, ultra HD. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer on the show. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. This is a healthcare alert from the Pain Relief Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one suffers from knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain and have Medicare as your primary insurance, we've got great news. You don't have to suffer any longer. You can immediately qualify for a pain relieving brace at little or no cost to you by calling our 24-7 Pain Relief Hotline at 866-389-0620. Delivery is free and all paperwork is handled for you. If you are on Medicare and have knee, back, shoulder, or ankle pain, don't wait. You can qualify to immediately receive a pain-relieving brace at little or no cost by calling our 24-7 pain hotline now at 866-389-0620. Our representatives are standing by 24-7 to take your call and rush you your pain-relieving brace at little or no cost to you. Shipping is free and all paperwork is handled for you. Just call 866-389-0620. That's 866-389-0620. Again, 866-389-0620. There are hundreds of silver products on the market today, but there's nothing like the astonishing health benefits of the multi-patented One Silver Solution. Boost your immune system at a great price with our Silver Solution Liquid, starting at $12.95 a bottle, now available in regular and extra strength. That's half the price of the leading competitors. Call 844-USE-SILVER for your free catalog or go to onesilversolution.com, onesilversolution.com. There is only one silver solution. You wouldn't go swim with the sharks without a cage, would you? Hey, has anyone seen Larry? It's in our nature to protect ourselves, especially when protection is simple and affordable. That's why IDStronghold.com has been providing affordable RFID protection for over 10 years. ID Stronghold wallets protect you from electronic pickpockets who pass near you with a scanner and steal your credit and debit card info, as well as data from other cards containing RFID chips. IDStronghold.com, the original maker of shielded wallets, is a technology company, so we understand how to best protect you against intrusive radio waves. ID Stronghold wallets are designed to block RFID signals, open or closed, no matter where in the wallet you put your cards. Most other RFID wallets on the market were designed with only fashion in mind and don't shield properly, if at all. If you're shopping for your next wallet, be sure to get the protection you deserve by going to IDStronghold.com because getting anything else is like being the next victim in a Jaws movie. 
owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Get on board with the tax admiral. Don't pick on the IRS alone. I'll cut penalties and reduce your overall tax bill. Sometimes I can even get it zeroed out completely. We're an A-rated company helping people clean up their mess with the IRS. If you owe $10,000 or more, then call the tax admiral. Call 800-287-7180. Again, that's 800-287-7180. 800-287-7180. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. So, Apple TV ships this week. John Martellaro. It doesn't have 4K, but we have the new product from Roku, the Roku 4 with 4K. We have the Amazon Fire TV with 4K. Right, Voodoo, 4K. Right. So Apple says 4K yet. Why? That's, you know, that's a jackpot question. I have gone round and round with that. Before we even knew anything about the next generation Apple TV, I insisted that it was important for Apple to participate in 4K uh, because they're negotiating with the industry to deliver their content and they want to be a good partner. And the entire television industry is moving briskly into the 4K world. And then uh, I read a very good article uh, that explained how there's an emerging technology called high dynamic range, HDR, that makes the screen look fantastic no matter how far away you're sitting. You know, the big bugaboo about 4K is is you have to sit pretty close to take advantage of it. And if you sit or far back, and there's charts you can look up the distance, but for a 65-inch screen, it's about eight feet. If you sit further away than eight feet on a 65-inch screen, you won't see the advantage and everybody goes, oh, so I don't need 4K because I can never take advantage of it. You know, it goes back to, for example, these companies that produce smartphones that have you know, 500 dots per inch resolution. Isn't that great? No, because you can't see the difference. Right. And so there's the emerging standards and they're different. So you'll see different companies implementing HDR in different ways. The industry hasn't sorted that out yet. And so it's almost like if you want to do 4K with HDR from Time Warner, uh, you're going to do Voodoo. If you're going to do it from Comcast... You're going to do it with Sony TVs, and it's all, it's, it gets to be kind of a technical mess if you don't want to take advantage of HDR, which is a real game changer. So maybe Apple felt like, well, rather than rush out with a device that favors one particular implementation of HDR, we'll just wait until the industry sorts it out. But it is interesting that the new iPhone 6S shoots 4K video, that the iMacs will edit. 4K video, that iMovie uh, supports 4K video. Uh, and, and so it's sort of stunning that um, Apple didn't uh, future-proof their new fourth-generation Apple TV by having at least the promise and capability of 4K. From the teardowns I've seen, I don't think it has the ability to be upgraded. Uh, I believe I fixed it, said they found HDMI 1.4 instead of 2.0. So it's a real mystery. And I kind of wish Apple had... Um, at least kept up with the industry. They knew they were going to take heat. As you mentioned at the beginning of the segment, 
all these other companies are cashing in on their 4K support and making Apple look bad. And when Apple turns its back on the rest of the industry and says it's going to go its own way, they better have a really good reason for it. And, and the thing I worry is. about, too, is that Tim Cook is being interviewed in different places. And, of course, we have the quarterly conference call with financial analysts. And nowhere do we have people saying, okay, you got a brand new Apple TV. Where is the 4K? Now, if someone like Tim Cook or Phil Schiller says, look, we're waiting for the enhanced color standards to straighten themselves out. And this is one reason why we're not doing it now, because we don't want something that's going to be out there. Mm-hmm. And six months or a year later, mm-hmm. it doesn't work. Or maybe it is theoretically possible to update the firmware for HDMI and for 4K. I don't know. But the key being here, if Apple made a clear statement stating why, like they did, I think, pretty much with LTE. Why don't you have LTE? Well, they had poor battery life on the chips, things like that. If Apple gives a real answer, I think customers would listen. They say, well, okay, in a year or two, they'll come out with a version with 4K. And maybe when I get my 4K TV, I'll buy that one. But now I don't really need it. That would make sense. Yeah, it would make perfect sense. And, you know, Tim Cook has been a lot more transparent than Steve Jobs ever was. And the scenario that you described is something that we would absolutely expect from Tim Cook. And he would make it stick and explain why Apple was doing what they're doing. But we don't have an explanation. And lots of people are going to go out and buy this new fourth generation Apple TV because it'll be faster and it'll have apps. And for the first time you'll be able to have a reasonable remote control that'll be fun to use and Siri input. Lots of new features, and it'll be fun to use. Uh, and it's true that there's not a whole lot of people out there yet who are running 4K, but it just doesn't seem to be, it just doesn't seem to ring true. You know, Apple's the kind of company that that is always a leader and always wants to be moving out into the future. And and so it, it raises questions about what Apple's up to. Now, I'm sure we're going to find out later why. It's one of those things where an Antec or somebody's going to write an article or John Gruber will get a birdie on his shoulder who will explain it to him. And one of these days, in a, in a month or two or three or four, we'll find out why Apple chose to do that. And as you said, maybe you know there is some hidden capability to upgrade it to 4K when the time comes. Um, but right now it's kind of a mystery. It's kind of disheartening a little bit. It is unfortunate, but then the other thing about 4K is that a lot of the cheaper 4K sets don't even have the enhanced color. They just have the higher resolution. And I was walking through Sam's Club just the other day, and it looked to me as if half the sets in there, even the low-cost sets, $500 or more, said Ultra HD, Mm -hmm. UHD, and the other half were 1080p. So you know that it's filtering down to the lower-cost products. So it's happening as more and more flat panels are out there and the technology gets cheaper. We'll see 90% of the sets offering that. In a year or two, there will be that pressure. But until the final standards are in place, I could see why Apple isn't doing it, but I think they look like they were caught flat-footed. It doesn't look good for them. It's the best explanation I've seen. And, and HDR is a game changer, I believe, and it's going to be uh, something that people wish they had once they see the difference between their old 4K and the new 4Ks. And I think it's all going to be straightened out at CES in January. And I think what the, this Christmas is going to be the clearing out of the 1080Ps and the clearing out of the 
whatever first or second generation 4K TVs without it and without the enhanced color. And then at CES, everybody's going to get together and say, okay, we got to get this standardized. And then in the spring and summer, you're going to start to see a lot of fuss about 4K TVs with HDR. So it might be that the Christmas of 2016 will be the big 4K Christmas. And that might be why Apple held back. And if Apple can theoretically update to HDMI 2, they can update to 4K with the chip in there. And I oh, heard need, once last year you that you could do it. Do you need 2.0A for HDR, depending on the implementation? So look for that. Right. HDMI 2.0A. All right. Can Apple do it in the software? I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on, those chips that we don't know about, and Apple doesn't necessarily Well, advertise. the A8 that's in there is capable of 4K television. That I heard. So yeah. I don't see why they couldn't do it in the firmware when the time comes. John Martellaro, please tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. Ah, John Martellaro, Senior Editor at the Mac Observer, www.macobserver.com. Thank you, John, for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. It was a pleasure, as always. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. So you've got to take a state construction license exam or certification. Can't decide on what books or what chapters to study? Discover right now how you can eliminate unnecessary books and wasted study time. At ContractorExam.com, our study materials zero in on state-required test topics in an effective, multiple-choice format. So whether you're a plumber, electrician, general contractor, or other construction-related trade, ContractorExam.com will help get you prepared. Visit us at www.ContractorExam.com today. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Do you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Then get on board with the tax admiral and let us steer your way to financial freedom. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. They can freeze your bank accounts, seize your car, home, will garnish your paychecks and benefits. Don't pick on the IRS alone. I can fight for you using industry secrets that can help stop the IRS. I'll cut your penalties, slash your interest, and reduce your overall tax bill. Sometimes I can even get it zeroed out completely. We're an A-rated company with over 30 years experience helping people clean up their mess with the IRS. And we have a 95% customer satisfaction rating. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS, are facing an audit, a lien, or levy, then call me right away. Call 800-287-7180. Again, that's 800-287-7180. 800-287-7180. 800-287-7180. Before using Hardened Body Extract, my energy level was very, very low. I could only walk a few feet 
and then would have to sit down. I was tired and lethargic, but after taking heart and body extract, my energy level has improved greatly, and I can now walk longer distances without getting tired so fast. Thank you, heart and body extract. Learn the secrets of an effective, natural, 100% organic nutritional supplement for a healthy heart and circulation at hbextract.com. Earthquake, floods, winter storms, prolonged power outages, or war. Each of us have had that moment when we recognize that we need to be better prepared. We typically do the same thing. We start with food storage, then we address the need for water. But have you considered heat storage? I'm talking about staying warm in the cold. Here are some things for you to consider. How will I keep my family warm? The standard answers are firewood, coal, or propane. But the problem with that if you need to be on the move is you can't take it with you. Another concern, there may come a time when you need to stay warm without smoke, like in times of war. There may even come a time when you can't burn fuel. The answers may be simpler and less costly than you think. For these answers, go to FortressClothing.com. Again, FortressClothing.com has the answers to your heat storage dilemma. Don't get stuck in the cold. FortressClothing.com. You'll never be cold again. I'm Rick Osick with Famous Footwear. Did you know that premature birth is the number one killer of babies? That's why we support the March of Dimes in the fight against premature birth. Join us in supporting cutting-edge research, treatment programs, and outreach to help moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Learn how you can help save babies' lives at marchofdimes.org. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We have Kirk McElhern, known as the iTunes guy, but also the proprietor of a blog called Kirkville at McElhern.com. And he also has something called The Committed Podcast. You see, he has dared to venture into the world of broadcasting. And we wish him luck. I don't think it's anything I did. No. I've been on this podcast for about a year now. Um, It was started by two of my friends, Ian Shrey and Rob Griffiths. And they invited me to join about a year ago. And the podcast is just up to about 103 episodes. So it's been around for two years, but i am only been there for about half of it. So... Well, now you're really in it. And then you come on this show, and I gather you do some other shows. But we're really going to talk about a number of important things here in the Apple and tech universe. But the first thing is, about an hour ago, you became one of the first people around the world, and some people living in New Zealand got it earlier, to get a brand new fourth generation Apple TV. Tell us more. Yes, I did. Um, I, I'm a regular user of the Apple TV, not so much for buying content or even renting content from the iTunes store because my uh, internet connection is so slow, um, but I, I use it an awful lot to stream things from my iTunes library. Um, you know, the Apple TV has always been this kind of passive device, and basically you could grab stuff from the store, you could stream from your library, and you could use a couple of built-in apps that were pretty limited, you know, Netflix and HBO Now and ESPN and, and a lot of stuff like that. 
um, most of which are mostly um, U.S. TV channels and networks. So it really wasn't a lot of help for me. I, I do have Netflix, but other than that, there wasn't a lot accessible. So what's interesting with the new Apple TV is that it opens all this up to an app store. I saw something today that said there are 45 apps available for the Apple TV. Now, obviously, that's nothing. That's really nothing compared to what we're going to see in the coming months. The only people who were able to release apps now are the handful of developers, a handful, maybe several hundred, who managed to win Apple's sort of lottery and get an Apple TV in advance. So there aren't a lot of options now. Things that were previously built in apps, so Netflix and HBO Now, they're things you have to download. That's um, a quick question I'll ask you here. Okay, when you get a new Apple TV, in the past, every app that was available was available on the unit. Right. In contrast to Roku, now Roku has 1,500 channels now. Yeah. But of those 1,500 channels, which are basically apps, an app for each channel, only a small number are actually installed on the device when you set it up. You choose which ones you want to add. So exactly. with your Apple TV, you set it up. How many are there now? Just iTunes? There is a movies, TV shows, and a music app, and these all connect to iTunes. There's the App Store app. There's a Photos app. Um, there's settings. There's computers, which is what lets you stream um, from your computers using home sharing. There might be one other, but all the rest um, are apps that you have to download. So whereas before I was using Netflix, I had to go in and download it in the App Store. And obviously, apps like that are free. Uh, there are also paid apps, games, and other types of apps. Um, but you don't get this huge list of apps, many of which you don't care about, and you have to figure out how to hide. Uh, on the contrary, it's pretty much a blank slate, and it's up to you to choose what you get afterwards. It's like buying a new Mac. You get a core set, small set of apps, and you add everything else, or an iPhone. So they're making it more sensible now. You only get the channels you want. And for a lot of people, it's going to be whatever Apple puts on there, plus Netflix. That's what it will be for me. I set up the new fourth-generation Apple TV at the start. I will add Netflix because I want to see, you know, all the new series, the new superhero series they've got running on there now. I want to see that. But I don't know about adding the other channels because I haven't yet done that. So it's going to take time. As I said, there are only 45 apps available. And so it's the handful of developers that were lucky enough to win the lottery and the big companies that Apple's working with. And if you remember in the keynote, they highlighted like um, Airbnb and some shopping channel and something like that. These people got advance notice and they were able to make apps. You go to the Apple website and you look at the, the, the screenshots. The interface is different. It's not unattractive. I don't think it's that it, it's the same kind of interface. It's, got translucency, translucency, and it's black on white instead of white on black when you get into menus and all that. Uh, I think the, the real, what'll be interesting is to see what kind of apps people can make. Um, but I'm just not convinced. So Apple has basically trained everyone to do everything on mobile devices, iPhones and iPads. If you're looking for an Airbnb and you've got an iPhone or an iPad, you're going to do it there. Why would you sit in front of the TV to do it? Now, I, I know that some people after the keynote, someone from a shopping website um, was talking about 
the app that they were making. And I can imagine a, a couple or a family sitting in front of the TV to do some shopping, but I can't imagine that people are going to do that a lot. It's going to be a special occasion when you want to buy something for the holidays. You want to buy someone something for someone's birthday or, oh, my friend is getting married. Let's look yeah, for perhaps, a present for yeah, them. Let's they, look for some new furniture. Let's check out a new home. Specialty shopping. Yeah, but Airbnb, that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, we're, what we're going to see is just as we've seen on the Apple Watch, where there are lots of apps now that really serve no purpose because there are many things that just don't make sense doing it on the watch. I think we're going to see the same thing on the Apple TV. But it's almost as if Apple is trying to get people to sit in front of the TV instead of using their mobile devices, or at least suggesting to companies and app developers that this may be something that they can do. Um, I just don't see it. I think the world has moved away from the web TV model, which failed when it started out years ago. Obviously, it was totally different. It was a browser on a TV. Sure, but web TV failed after Microsoft bought it. Okay, blame Microsoft. The point of that, after Microsoft bought it, Web TV failed. Obviously, it was doing well enough for Microsoft to want to buy it. True, true. Because, well, I think they thought that that was the potential, but obviously, um, there are um, 90 degree turns in the way these things happen, and mobile devices came along and, you know, everything changed. I'm just not convinced that people are going to do that sort of thing on the Apple TV. However, the the TV channels, the sports, I seem to remember in the keynote, they were showing the sports with like split screens and stats. And, you know, this is the kind of thing that people will enjoy. Not personally, not me. Um, But uh, what I'm hoping is that. So one thing that I really like over here in the UK, and that's not extremely common in the US, it does exist. Um, there are a couple of organizations that stream um, theater productions. So they all, the, one of the recent ones was Benedict Cumberbatch, who did Hamlet in London, and it was streamed to a number of cinemas. I would love to see an app like that on the Apple TV um, for, for these kind of, they, they call them event cinema over here in the cinema. So they can be concerts and operas and, and plays and all that. And I would love to see that sort of content on the Apple TV instead of, the same movies, TV shows, and, you know, sports channels. I would like to see a little more originality. Um, the, the whole problem with the Apple TV is it's never been a really popular device. There's a lot of competition with other streaming devices. So it, it could be the same way that the App Store is what made the iPhone so popular. It's very possible that an App Store can make the Apple TV very popular. But don't you think, though, and this is something we'll get into as we persist with our discussion, that the app developers are going to have to provide the killer apps, the functionality. Right now, it's being tested. It's a brand new thing, a brand new store. Yes. yes. And even though there's experience with an app store, how it relates to this is still a little bit uncertain. We've got Kirk McElhern. We're talking about the fourth generation Apple TV, the new interface and everything. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. My dad was 59 when he collapsed from a heart attack late last year. Just this past August was when we spread his ashes on the St. Croix River. I loved my dad, but boy was he stubborn. He hadn't been to the doctor in over 25 years. His excuse? He simply couldn't afford it. He wasn't a rich man by any means. At less than $107 per month, libertyoncall.org would have been the perfect alternative for my father. Don't wait. Go to libertyoncall.org right now for not just your sake, but for the sake of your loved ones. Again, that's libertyoncall.org. We use mobile devices right against our bodies every day, but growing scientific evidence has emerged showing serious health risks associated with exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The solution is Defender Shield, the most effective mobile radiation shielding ever developed. Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation from cell phones, tablets, and laptops and starts at just $64.99. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. For 10% off, use promo code GCN. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in mobile radiation shielding. Hey, Berkey Guy here. Are you still drinking unfiltered tap water? Does your water contain chlorine or fluoride? Will you have drinkable water in an emergency? The Berkey Guy is here to help you remove these and other potential contaminants from your water, thus helping you drink clean, purified water. We offer Berkey water purification systems at the lowest available prices online. Don't go another moment without Berkey System. Over the last 10 years, we've helped thousands drink clean, purified water. Join them by visiting GoBerkey.com or call me, the Berkey Guy, at 877-886-3653. That's 877-886-3653. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. A lot of people's lives and bodies are out of balance. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops optimize pH level and get rid of harmful waste and acid. Just a few drops in water restores vibrance and energy and gets you back in balance. Now order two bottles and get $10 off your order. Sign up for monthly auto shipping and save 25%. Call 800-518-7615 or visit alkavision.com. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health at alkavision.com.
You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. It's not Apple TV all the time. It's about the fourth generation Apple TV, which in the U.S. is 149 for the 32 gigabyte device. The 64 is 199, which is considerably more than the other Apple TV. It's a lot faster. It includes a multi-touch kind of system in the remote. It includes Siri voice recognition with a number of limitations. And basically, except for Apple's own apps, which link to iTunes, Everything is optional. And a lot of app developers are trying to get into the act to see what you want to do. Do you want to shop online? Well, maybe that's going to work. But I think it's experimentation. Let's see what happens. But for the most part, the things that will be popular, I think, Kirk McElhern, are programming. Different channels with different levels of content. And also, to some degree, gaming. Because it's got the hardware for gaming, but what level of sophistication is important? And there have been a lot of arguments about that. Because supposedly you can only run two gaming controllers at a time, the remote plus one more. And that may limit it for certain types of family gaming. What if you have three or four people? They want to sit down there and play a game. They can't do it? Yeah. So not only that, but if you want a second remote, it's $79 in the U.S., um, I remember when my son bought a Wii back in the day and it came with two remotes. You don't sell a gaming device with just one controller. You've got to have at least two because while there's an awful lot of standalone gaming, you know, one person gaming, there is an awful lot more that involves two people. Uh, I think Apple should have offered a package with two remotes and make the, made the second one a bit cheaper. I mean, you can buy a, a remote loop as well. The Wii comes with those loops, right, that you put around your wrist. It's $13 for just a piece of plastic to keep the remote from frying away. Um, I think that Apple is making a big mistake as far as gaming is concerned by not making this more affordable. Uh, So it's a matter of marketing and packaging, though. You don't have to redesign the device. No, 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 not at all. It's, it's It's a matter of bundling another remote, the loops. The Apple online store, only at least in the U.S., only sells one gaming controller steel series nimbus wireless gaming controller and it looks like your standard it's got the cross thing and the abxy buttons and a whole bunch of other buttons so it can probably do everything you need but that's 50 bucks too so let's say you're paying for the 64 gigabyte apple tv that's 200 you want a couple of gaming controllers that's another hundred dollars you maybe want a second remote 79 dollars you start to talk the price of an xbox here gaming will work if it's more affordable. Now, obviously, the games are cheaper because the, the whole App Store model with the sort of race to the bottom in terms of pricing means that you can buy games relatively cheaply. But all of the, the extra devices you need to turn this into a gaming console are just very expensive. I understand, though, not to include them as standard equipment because people will buy it and say, why should I pay for a gaming controller I don't need? Right, but, but packaging and pricing, same. I they see 25 or $30 for a gaming controller. I see the lower price of games is important. Now, there's another thing, too. What kind of games can we get here? And there's been a lot said about the limitation in the app size. And I read a very long article about Apple's app thinning. What it means here, for example, is on your iPhone or on your iPad, 
you download just the portion of the app that works on your device. You don't have to have a fat app with all sorts of extra illustrations and resources that you don't need. And it keeps the space more efficient. The way it apparently works with Apple TV is you get a basic app file of, I think, 200 megabytes is the largest. But then as you play a game, as it needs more resources because you're advancing in levels, in the background, it will download those resources and then eventually unload the resources you don't need. You don't want to go back to level one near level five. I know nothing about games, so I'm talking through Well, you may want to go back to level one, but I think it's more that it'll delete the things you're not using in order to free up space. I think as long as you've got the space, it's not going to delete any. But the thing that's a problem here is the fact that you're going to be consuming many, many gigabytes of data to download the stuff in the background. And maybe it doesn't matter. You know, you play a game and it gets two gigabytes and that's okay. But a lot of people live in places where the ISP puts a severe bandwidth cap on their accounts. Or they have a slow connection like I do. Sure, you have a slow connection here. Obviously, the TV OS is going to guess, probably based on your download speed, when it needs to begin to retrieve those extra assets. Yeah. But you could still wait. I want to get to level seven. What's going on? It's still downloading it. Oh, all right. That's the point. But I understand Apple's scheme here, which is don't download stuff that you don't need. If you buy a game, even a cheap game for five ninety nine or something, and you don't like it, why do you have to stuff your Apple TV with an app you don't want? Eventually, it will unload that app. If you download a lot of other stuff, it will only re-download it if you decide to play it again. So eventually, you could basically discharge an app you're not using in the background based on your use case, which may or may not upset some people because Apple is making a decision for you what stuff it should leave on your device. Yeah. And there may be a way to delete apps. Um, as you said, I've really only had this for an hour. So I set it up and I, I checked all the settings and all that. There, there is a place where you can manage storage, it says. So I'm guessing you can delete apps the same way you can on an iPhone. So if you've downloaded something and you don't want to use it anymore, or maybe you're going to be able to download parts of it. Uh, if it's if it's got if it's an app with a lot of big downloads, so I'm not sure about that yet. The the storage issue is interesting. So it comes in two sizes, 32 and 64 gigabytes. When you look in the settings, it doesn't tell you how much free space you have. That's kind of surprising. You know, you're used to seeing it on an iPhone, an iPad, um, on the device, or when it's connected to to iTunes, you can see this. And I didn't find any place where you could see it in the managed storage section. It doesn't say. You know, this device has 64 gigs, which I bought the 64 gig model, and there's 56 available because the OS is going to take up however many, and and it's not really 64 gigs, it's really 58 or whatever, and and that's something I expected to see. I don't know if on the App Store it even tells you the size of an app. Um, again, I downloaded a few apps like Netflix and YouTube and things like that, but I don't remember seeing the sizes. Uh, it might be there, but I'm not in front of the TV right now recording. I'm in my office, so I can't check. All right. This is still a learning experience here. And Kurt just got his device an hour ago, so he's checking it out. I assume the setup is similar to the normal Apple TV of the past. Oh, no, it's much better. 
Oh, no, no, it's very cool. Um, you, you have to, you can set it up manually, but you can also set it up using um, credentials that are already stored in your iOS device. So this is your network credentials and your Apple ID. Um, you tap your, I, I use my iPhone success. You tap it on the device with Bluetooth on and the Apple TV recognizes it and it picks up your settings and it takes, I don't know, about 30 seconds and it connects to the network. Um, you still have to enter your Apple ID password, which I think is correct. You shouldn't be able to transfer the password from one device to another. Um, but setup was actually quite simple. On the other hand, the text entry uh, on this device is Apple could not have made it stupider. The, you know, you've got a lot of different ways. So some, if you, if you, if you look at the way TVs let you enter text, right? You're entering your email and your password. Some of them have like a keyboard shaped thing with A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and the next one, H, I, J, K, et cetera, et cetera. Some of them have a keyboard thing set up with QWERTY and all that. Apple has one single line of text from A to Z. Below that, numbers and characters. Below that, the buttons you press um, or select to go to uh, capitals and other um, special characters. Now, the remote has a touch, a trackpad, I guess you'd call it a touchpad. Um, it takes a little while to get used to using that, but once you do, it means you've got to tap and then scroll all the way. If your password starts with AZ, you've got to tap the A at the left and go all the way to the right to get to the Z instead of going down a row or two in the keyboard layout. Can you um, attach a Bluetooth keyboard and do that? So I, I tried this with Apple's previous Bluetooth keyboard, not the newest Magic um, keyboard, and no. Um, so I went into the Bluetooth settings, and it saw the remote, and under other devices, when I set the keyboard up um, in pairing in discoverable mode, I just had a gear spinning, and it didn't detect it. Oh, well. By the way, now, I did get a complete collection of the new apple input devices which i'll mention to you in a little while i have them back here i'm not using them anymore after the first day and i'll tell you why in a moment but we're talking about apple tv the brand new model kirk McElhern is giving you his first look on the tech night how live thank you for listening to gcn be sure to visit gcnlive.com today Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com 
Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, veterinarian and naturopathic physician. The Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy with an important message. Take charge of your health. Do not continue to blindly follow the system that has failed us all. I appreciate GCN listeners because you're open-minded and intelligent. If our system is so great, why is it that the United States, the USA, ranks nearly 60th worldwide in longevity and number one in obesity? All the while, we spend more money than all the other countries combined annually on unnecessary health care procedures and toxic drugs. It doesn't take much to get on track, not with the government or pharmaceutical companies, but rather you in control of your own health with a basic understanding of nutrition and supplementation. FDI Longevity has the finest quality health, sports, and energy supplements available. GCN listeners are invited to join our team of people who want to stay healthy well into old age. We are currently looking for specialists to represent FDI Longevity and save America. To buy products at wholesale prices or join our business team, go to GCNteam.com. That's GCNteam.com. Support GCN. Get healthy. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We first want to tell you that there'll be more episodes coming up of your Tech Night Owl Minute. If you're a member of Tech Night Owl Plus at plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com, we have annual subscription programs, monthly subscription programs, now a lifetime subscription program for a modest fee. Check it out, plus.technightowl.com. It's where you get the ad-free version of this show. With Kirk McElhern, we're doing Apple TV, exploring his early experiences. And right now, this is where we say boo to Apple because they're not making it easy to enter text. On the Apple TV, evidently, it doesn't allow you to sync, pair your Bluetooth keyboard. Not very good. In contrast with the new devices, by the way, from Apple, the input devices, Magic Mouse 2 the Magic Keyboard, and the new trackpad. When you plug them in to charge them with a lightning cable, unplug them, and they're paired. Yeah, that's brilliant. That is so great. Now, let me be brief about the new Apple input devices, the Magic Keyboard, the Magic Trackpad 2, the Magic Mouse 2. I found the Magic Mouse to be very little different from the other version, other than it has the rechargeable system with the lightning adapter on the bottom of the unit. I found that the Magic Keyboard is similar enough to the original wireless keyboard, not to represent a big difference. So I put it away, went back to my Matthias Quiet Pro. As for the Magic Trackpad, okay, Force Touch is fun, but I also put it away. None of these devices really turn me on, but if you get the first two free with a new Mac, more power to you. I also did as an experiment here, I was doing a test drive on a Volkswagen Passat 2015 because I figured I'd go to a oh, Volkswagen great. dealer. I, I was going to look at that because I figured Volkswagen is a troubled automaker. Yep. And I was left without a car for various reasons. So I thought, you know, go out and see what they're doing. Figuring that a place like Volkswagen, because of the emissions control issue, would basically sell a car to the walking wounded. <laughs> because they're desperate. And I found out that pairing an iPhone with a Volkswagen Passat is almost seamless. It just picks it up. When you set it up, there's no need to type any kind of code or anything. That doesn't apply to Android phones. Really seamless. So they're smart about that. VW yeah. wasn't smart about developing software 
to disable the emission controls, but in some places they're really smart. Anyway, get back to Apple TV. So Apple TV has this very awkward way of entering text. I think it sold for like $90 when it was out. It was really inexpensive, really nice. The remote has a real keypad underneath to enter text. Now, obviously, Apple doesn't want to do that. They want to be minimalist, but it must take forever to enter a very complicated password. Yeah, it does. As of now, Apple's iOS app, the remote app, is not updated for the new Apple TV. I don't know if it will be, but the remote app does give you a keyboard on an iPhone or an iPad, and that would simplify it. I would have expected Apple to update that app, and I'd be very surprised if they don't actually update the remote app to work with this Apple TV. That doesn't make sense unless they simply don't want people to be able to operate it without the remote that you have to actually pay for. In other words, if you want a second one. So imagine that you've got one remote and you're playing a game and and you've got a friend comes over and and you want to play a game and they could use their iPhone with the remote app. If Apple is going to cripple the device and not allow the remote app to control it, then that's just a weird choice. You know, usually when they release a new device, they update whatever app is necessary for it either the day before or the same day. And they haven't done this yet. So we'll have to wait and see. Again, you know, other than people in New Zealand and Eastern Europe, you know, I got my Apple TV before people in the States, basically. An interesting aside, I got free um, day one delivery. And Susie Oaks, the editor of Macworld, was saying on Twitter, she had to pay $17 to get day one delivery. Um, over here, it's free. Why? I don't know. Um, they gave free delivery with the, the new keyboard and trackpad and mouse, even if you just buy one of them, rather than, I think usually the minimum is um, 100 pounds to get free delivery. Well, okay, so you're doing better here. Let's continue here. Okay, so the setup process is pretty good, except for entering a real password, which can take a few minutes yep. because it's awkward, you know, going back and forth. Okay, so you get the password entered, you get set up. In terms of normal use, you want to play some kind of movie or something. Did you try that? Did you actually try to view content on it? I did. And I turned on home sharing so I could access my iTunes library. And it works exactly the same as it did before. I could have streamed something from the iTunes store. And that's no different. It's just the interface looks different. The interface is certainly a lot more attractive. It's closer to the iOS 9 and even iOS 8 interface. Because if you look at the previous Apple TV interface, it kind of makes you think of iOS 6. You know, it's all black and rounded corners and shadows and sort of gradients and everything. And and this is much flatter, um, a lot of translucency. So all that basic stuff works quite well. The the real question is, what are you going to be able to do with apps? What kind of apps are going to be useful? And as I said earlier, it's the same problem as the Apple Watch. There are lots of apps, but that really don't do very much for you and shouldn't really be People have no reason to make some of these apps for the Apple Watch. They're just stupid. Well, we're going to have to see how that works out. The one thing that's one thing that is of very deep concern for people who are getting the new Apple TV is that Apple has not future-proofed it. There's no support yet for 4K. And now we no. have the new products from Amazon, the Amazon Fire TV, the Roku 4, 4K support, has Apple kind of made a marketing mistake here? I know they could obviously add that feature. I I think 
Apple, you know, we discussed this a couple of weeks ago about the, the different versions of HDMI and, and all that that are necessary. And I think Apple's just realized there aren't that many people using 4K TVs. There's very little content available in 4K. Um, can you even buy optical discs that handle 4K yet? I know that there were some proof of concepts, but I don't know if it's actually on the market. It will be so, next year. This is going to be the Ultra HD Blu-ray. They've right, already so they, shown prototypes, but it will be in 2016 before they are available. In addition to which, I don't know what they're going to cost. It's not going to be $80 or $90 like it is now for Blu-ray. It yeah. might be several hundred till the production increases. It'll be a while for there to be enough movies and other content available. There isn't much anywhere. Right. So 4K. But the other question and the other problem with 4K is this. And that is, most people who buy a 4K set won't see any difference. Exactly. Look at the retina display issue here. You know, you have a lot of smartphones with incredible, incredibly high resolutions. But Apple's Retina display was built with the philosophy thus, is that at a normal viewing distance, you don't see the pixels. Right. That's true with Retina displays for Macs, with the 5K Retina display for the new 27-inch iMacs for iPhones. Adding more pixels does nothing. With a TV set, I read you need a 65-inch set viewed at no further than 8 feet to see the resolution advantage. And most right. of us don't buy 65-inch TVs. And a lot of times people might buy it for the master bedroom. And you're sitting in bed, as my wife and I will, when we're watching TV. We're not eight feet away from our set. We're maybe 10 feet away from our set. So yeah. what do we do? Get a 70-inch set? What? No, I agree. Um, and, and this has been the case for a while, that people who bought early 4K TVs, it's really useless. The, the value of a 4K TV is a very large display, and, and, and TVs are going to get bigger. And so 4K is going to be useful for that. Otherwise, it's just a waste of money. Um, I would like to get a really big TV for the living room. And we sit less than eight feet away. Um, so if I were to buy a new TV in the future, and I keep thinking about it, but I'm not convinced that I need it yet, um, I would definitely get a 4K TV. And 65-inch, it's probably about what I'd want to get. Okay, let's do our break here, and then we'll come back to that. We've got Kirk McElhern. We're talking about the new fourth-generation Apple TV, which does not have 4K support. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. If your Mac has slowed down or isn't performing like it used to, there's a smart alternative to buying a new machine thanks to OWC. With easy do-it-yourself upgrades for every Mac, OWC has what you need to get the most from your computer. From memory and SSDs to ultra-fast external storage, take it from me. You'll discover all the ways you can upgrade your Mac today at MacSales.com. That's MacSales.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. 
The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. My name is Don Wiskin, and at 42 years old, I suffered a massive heart attack and was told I'd be on disability for the rest of my life. What did I do? I created Extendivite, a garlic and cayenne mix of seven herbs which rebuilt my heart and gave me back my life. For over 17 years now, I have made this formula available to you so you don't have to suffer the same thing I did. Clean your blocked arteries and strengthen your heart and boost your natural immune system. I'm 60 years old now and I still work every day. To get your Extendivite, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply of either capsules or liquid. Extend your life with Extendovite. Owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Get on board with the tax admiral. Don't pick on the IRS alone. I'll cut penalties and reduce your overall tax bill. Sometimes I can even get it zeroed out completely. We're an A-rated company helping people clean up their mess with the IRS. If you owe $10,000 or more, then call the tax admiral. Call 800-287-7180. Again, that's 800-287-7180. 800-287-7180. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. 
I was walking through the Sam's Club store. It was actually in Gilbert, Arizona, which is about 10 minutes away. And I went through the TV aisles. And they don't just have cheap stuff. They have stuff costing several thousand dollars. About half of the sets were 4K. Half the sets were 1080p. And they separated them in aisles. So there's no confusion. There's no mixture. Okay? Mm. I'm telling you, some of it's crazy. Why do you want to buy a 43-inch 4K set for $500 unless you just sit real close to the set? Yeah. But that's what they have. Now, it is cheaper for the manufacturers to standardize on a specific resolution panel because they can cut it down for all their TVs. Yep, and eventually, right. all TV sets will be 4K in a year or two. Now, that will be the impetus to have more content. But still, people buy a 4K set and say, well, I have a 1080p now. I got rid of it. I bought this new set. I don't see anything different. I even downloaded from Netflix a 4K movie. I don't see a difference. And the mm. difference will come if they're not using a very large set at a close close vantage point, not too far from the TV, will be the enhanced color. And that standard is just not set in stone yet. Uh, because there's a new color standard, too. Well, there's HDR color. There are enhanced color gamuts. And the problem is here is that different companies have different ways of doing it. And that has to settle down. And that is, of course, a valid reason for Apple to say, you know what? The standard is not ready yet. Not a lot of people have it. Not a lot of content. So we didn't have it on there. The question, though, is do the people at Apple expect you next year or the year after to say, okay, I have the 4K set. I'm getting all this great content. I've got the Ultra HD, Blu-ray, whatever. I'm downloading it from Netflix or Amazon or maybe even... DirecTV or the local cable provider offers limited 4K. But does Apple then refresh the device or or is the existing set capable of being upgraded? It Well, the existing Apple TV isn't because the HDMI standard it uses does not support the bandwidth needed for 4K. But, um, but can they do that in firmware or does it require a no. hardware connector? So I think it's a hardware. I think it's a chip thing. Okay. So, no, I, I don't see that happening. I, I do see them releasing a newer 4K version. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me because, you know, if you look at Apple's product lines these days, in recent years, they've expanded the product lines to not just have one or two types of devices, but now you can buy three different iPhones. You can buy four different iPads. It wouldn't surprise me if they have a standard Apple TV and an Apple TV 4K. So it'd be an Apple TV Pro or something. Or an Apple TV S, you know, like they do with the phones now, 6S, 5S, whatever. But that wouldn't surprise me. But I, I think it doesn't make sense for Apple to be adding this hardware for people who aren't going to use it. I'm just looking at a website here. There's a chain called Richer Sounds, which has, I don't know, 50 stores around the UK. And they, one of the, um, on their page of 4K TVs, a couple of the TVs say future proof your TV viewing with the stunning 4K and the name the name of the brand. Um, I think that's a lot of why people are buying 4K today because of the future proofing. I agree, it makes no sense with a small TV, but if you are going to buy a large TV, you should buy a 4K even if you don't have the 4K content because you're not going to buy another TV in for five or ten years. Exactly. I think for a set also, remember you're keeping that TV set for what five to ten years. You don't want to buy a new one. I have a set that's a couple of three years old. I'm not going to get rid of it. I'm not going to buy a 4K set tomorrow. I'm not going to do it for a practical reason. And that is where we live now, 
anything larger than a 55-inch set is a bit too much for this particular environment. It's not the super largest home. It's not the largest master bedroom. So it would make sense. So if tomorrow I had a spare $5,000 with a hole in my pocket, I wouldn't buy a bigger set because I have no space for it. Maybe if I live somewhere else. But I also think that TV sets are pretty reliable. I'll wait till the set drops. And then as a normal replacement, I'll get the 4K set. At that time, there will be support in the cheaper models, we hope, for the enhanced color, which will make a visible difference. And that's the problem now. There's a line of bifurcation, I guess we'll call it, where we have the more expensive TV supporting the higher color standard and the cheaper 4K TVs not. And until that technology filters down to the affordable levels, a lot of people are going to be disappointed. And, and what is this color standard called? Well, they have HDR color. HDR. High, dyna- yeah. high dynamic right. range. Yeah. But there are other enhancements too. And we see, obviously, things are happening. So, for example, Apple with a new 27-inch IMAX has an enhanced color palette, greater color gamut, better for professionals. But even if you get a TV set with support for better color, Hollywood has to produce content yeah. that supports it. Not just 4K, which probably for modern stuff is a no-brainer. It's being shot that way anyway. For everything that's on Netflix, that, that stuff is not going to be updated overnight. Exactly. But it requires not just releasing a high-resolution version there's going to be a certain level of post-production to optimize it for the higher resolution. So they have to go back, take the movie, first see if the movie will benefit from 4K, and not all will, Mm -hmm. take that movie, and then go back and edit it. Just like they did, for example, with HD. They had to go back and take all the TV shows and optimize them for the higher resolution, like that. They had to do a lot of post-production work And they're not going to commit money for that for a movie that didn't do very well. No. I mean, there are still movies today that aren't even in Blu-ray. Sure, there's a a lot. Um, And because it's not just recopying something, it's a whole new level of post-processing. It's pretty similar to remastering uh, a record in many ways. It's It's not the same type of processing, but it involves that much attention to detail. Now, I was just noticing here, there's a movie I like from the mid-90s, which most people hate, called The Shadow. It's finally yeah, we out. talked about this. We're both Shadow fans. Yeah, we're both fans of The Shadow. And I think Alec Baldwin, because he has this dark aspect to his character, and we see that now, because he plays villains now very well. And that is, he made a great Lamont Cranston. He did. But the movie was way, way, way over the top in many ways. They finally have a Blu-ray version. At Amazon. I'm going to buy it because I really love that movie. I think most people wouldn't care. But if you grew up in the waning days of traditional radio and you heard The Shadow, and you can do it, by the way, now on Sirius XM, they have a radio classic station where they play radio dramas and variety shows from the 30s, 40s. We had Greg Bell, by the way, who's the host, was on the Tech Night Out Live a few years ago. He's a great guy. And I had an enjoyable time talking with him because there's something about radio drama. It's a theater of the mind where you don't have to see everything in brilliant color and high definition or 4K. You just listen and you think and you let your imagination run wild. What did Superman look like? 
What did the shadow look like? Or not look like because he was invisible, right? He wasn't really invisible. He had the cape and the hat and all that. We have Kirk McElhern, who was not invisible. I'm Gene Steinberg, who sometimes is invisible on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. So you've got to take a state construction license exam or certification. Can't decide on what books or what chapters to study? Discover right now how you can eliminate unnecessary books and wasted study time. At ContractorExam.com, our study materials zero in on state-required test topics in an effective, multiple-choice format. So whether you're a plumber, electrician, general contractor, or other construction-related trade, ContractorExam.com will help get you prepared. Visit us at www.ContractorExam.com today. In recent years, we have witnessed the most catastrophic disasters in history. Earthquakes, hurricanes, tornadoes, typhoons, and more. Legacy Premium Food Storage will prepare you. Our great-tasting, non-GMO quality food products have a 25-year shelf life, are the most affordable on the market, and are American-made. They're perfect for hiking, camping, and road trips, too. Be prepared with the best. Go to SurvivalFoodAlliance.com. That's SurvivalFoodAlliance.com. Sciatica, lower back pain, hip pain, poor posture. If you suffer from any of these problems, get ready to relax. Introducing an amazing product that's been in the market for over 25 years, the Sacro Wedgie. It was invented by a football coach using a common sense osteopath technique. He created this device to help his athletes by isolating and supporting the sacrum, which is the keystone of our anatomy. This wedge-shaped bone is in the center of our hips, where a lot of pain starts. Simply relax 20 minutes daily on the amazingly simple Sacro Wedgie and let Gravity do the work, helping muscles rebalance and start releasing nerves. Sit in the sacral wedgie at the computer or while traveling to help correct posture to finally help relieve those stubborn aches and pains for only $33.95. It's made in the USA, so click the family-owned website at sacrowedgie.com, spelled S-A-C-R-O-W-E-D-G-Y.com, or call 1-800-737-9295. That's 1-800-737-9295. Relax your back pain away with the sacral wedgie. My dad was 59 when he collapsed from a heart attack late last year. Just this past August was when we spread his ashes on the St. Croix River. I loved my dad, but boy was he stubborn. He hadn't been to the doctor in over 25 years. His excuse? He simply couldn't afford it. He wasn't a rich man by any means. At less than $107 per month, libertyoncall.org would have been the perfect alternative for my father. Don't wait. Go to libertyoncall.org right now for not just your sake, but for the sake of your loved ones. Again, that's libertyoncall.org. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich, working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? Do you hate spending hundreds of dollars every week on daycare, having someone else raise your children? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. At Be The Boss Network, you'll find hundreds of work-from-home opportunities that you can literally start today and be earning money as soon as next week. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss. Get out of the rat race. Work from home. Go to freedom106.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number 106.com. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. 
You be the boss. Go to freedom106.com. You heard the discussions all over the radio. You couldn't believe what you were hearing. You trusted them. How could you have not seen the signs? You felt betrayed. Outrage set in. Your emotions began to consume you. Then, nothing. Now they're talking football. Days turned to weeks and months. Then, you've forgotten. But they haven't. They're still monitoring your every move. It's coming. MonitorBlockItPocket.com Or, will you forget... What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. Remember, the shadow developed the power in the Orient to cloud, cloud men's, men's minds. minds so they cannot see him. But he did wear, in the movies, there were movies in the 40s, there was the movie in the 90s with Alec Baldwin, where he wore a costume, the hat and the dark, the dark suit and the dark coat. But as a practical matter, on the radio shows, they didn't talk about that. They never explain how he becomes a shadow, except suddenly he puts a filter behind his voice. This is the shadow. And then he laughs maniacally and nobody could see him. But that's mind control. It was done by his mental process. He didn't have to wear a special costume. That was just for movies to see something visually. Remember, this is important that these were originally published as pulp novels. And the covers did show him with the cape and the hat. People had the image of what the shadow looked like, even though you never saw his face in the covers. By the way, the shadow, most of those novels were written by a guy named Walter Gibson. Look him up, okay? Pen name Maxwell Grant. Pen name Maxwell Grant. Walter Gibson wrote 300 shadow novels. And now when you look at the shadow, though, especially the movie, look at the introduction to the movie. It's probably a free download somewhere on Netflix or Amazon Instant Video. Don't necessarily have to buy it. It's cheap. Look at that. Look at the beginning where you see him in the Orient, where he becomes a criminal himself and learns about the criminal mind and is redeemed. And then look at the beginning of Batman Begins, where Ra's al Ghul trains Bruce Wayne, who becomes a criminal, to understand criminals, to become the superhero and learn the advanced Oriental fighting techniques. Now, think about the similarities between the character of the Shadow and the character of Batman. Shadow preceded Batman, by the way. The Batman was developed like 1939, whereas the shadow was already there. And the shadow both are wealthy playboys who moonlight as masked Avengers. The difference being with Batman, he becomes a vigilante because of the impact to his life over the shooting death of his parents when he was a kid. And he seeks revenge against the criminal elements. and That's why he becomes Batman. We have that kind of angst. That's a difference in the character. But if you look at the kind of things they do, the shadow is a precursor to Batman. All right? Think about that. So does that mean that Ben Affleck would make a good shadow? I don't know. Anyway, Apple TV, final issue about Apple TV. Do you think if you have a current Apple TV, and you're mostly just watching content from iTunes or stream from your Mac through AirPlay or Netflix. Does it make any difference at all 
to buy the new one. No, no. If you're using Netflix, if you're just using iTunes and your iTunes library, no. However, you will be missing out on apps. Again, we don't know. I would say that if you're on the fence, wait a month or two until we see a little bit more what apps are available. Right now, you can't really see these apps on the App Store. So you can see them on the Apple TV. I'm just looking at the App Store in iTunes, and there's no separate category for Apple TV apps. I'm sure they're going to highlight them at some point, but there aren't many. There's only 45 of them on launch day. So uh, I think in a while, it's in their interest to highlight these apps on the App Store um, in iTunes and, you know, even on the iPhone and all that to get people interested. What, what you will see is, so a developer can make an app that can run on iPhone, uh, iPad, iPod touch and Apple TV. They can make a universal app. So universal adds a new platform. And what you will see is you'll see some apps, um, in the iTunes store, uh, in the iTunes app store, um, that will have a little, I'm just looking one up here that um, I have that is, let's see, it's going to have a little something indicating Apple TV. No, it doesn't even. It just says designed for both iPhone and iPad. So it's not even updated yet to say that it can um, handle the Apple TV. But that shouldn't be too long. There should be a little... uh, So it's interesting. When you look at an app now, you get this little plus... Um, next to the price or next to the word get, which indicates that it covers the two platforms, iPad and iPhone, basically the two screen sizes. And yet there's nothing for the Apple TV. So plus itself isn't going to be enough. They're going to have to figure out a new way to indicate which apps are multi-platform, which is essentially multi-screen size, because tvOS, which is the operating system on the Apple TV, apparently is similar enough to ios that it's not that much work to port an app from one to the other just basically you need to reconfigure your your screens and all that it figures out the rest optimizing it for the a8 processor so i gather then that what are you giving apple tv three and a half stars if you were reviewing it that's a tough call that's a tough call i would say that that would be a fair rating um uh, again, I'm not a gamer, so I can't judge that. I will buy one game. Um, there are already some games that I have, like Crossy Road, which is available for the Apple TV. Um, so I can download one of them to see how smooth it is. I'll probably spend a few bucks on one of the one of the hype games that on the main screen of the App Store on the Apple TV. There are a couple of, I think they call them gorgeous games or something like that. So I might just download one to see how it looks to try it out. Um, It's not for me. But if you are a gamer and maybe you're tired of the Xbox or the PlayStation and all that and you want something new and you do like the kinds of games you're getting on iOS, in that case, it's probably worth checking out. I mean, it's not a small investment. Um, It's going to be an early adopters thing. So you're going to get the same people who bought the Apple Watch when it came out, not necessarily exactly the same, but the same kind of people who want the new gadget, and people are going to buy it. And that's going to make it or break it. Obviously, the early adopters, you know, what are they going to say about it? They're going to say it's great or it's not so great. Um, I've 
I haven't read any of the reviews yet that anyone's written. Um, I actually decided to intentionally not read any until I can write a sort of a first look slash hands-on um, to post on my website. So I don't know what other people are saying. I, I think it's a promising platform, but I think in the same way that when the iPhone first added an app store, we had no idea where we would go with all these apps, with third-party apps. And I think that the Apple TV is a big question mark in the same way. It could be huge. It could be just another box that's connected to a TV. At a minimum, it, it gets your iTunes content, and it streams things, and it uses Netflix. Um, but I think it has a lot of potential. I think the games indicate a lot of potential. And where they'll go depends on the number of games, the interest from customers, the type of games available. It doesn't mean it will be near as powerful as an existing gaming console, but theoretically it can move in that direction, but we have to see where it goes. I would just tell you this without being specific. I think what you're saying is not dissimilar to what other reviews have shown, but I don't okay. want to prejudge anything. I don't want to have you be prejudging your comment. Obviously you want to play with it a bit longer before you do a real first look. So we're doing something very preliminary here. But let's look now at a few other things in our remaining segment or so. Now, I just looked at Apple's App Store, the Mac App Store, for the user buzz about OS X El Capitan. And for several weeks, it was four-star rating. It's now down to a two-and-a-half-star rating out of five. A lot of people don't like it. A lot of people are having serious problems with it. We know one maintenance update is out already, 10.11.1. There is a 10.11.2 available to developers. And by the way, if you're a member of Apple's public beta program, you could install it if you want to take a chance. I wouldn't recommend it. But still, I wonder here if Apple has a lot of problems they have to deal with. What have you heard? We'll get the answer on the other side of the Tech Night Out Live. for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com 
So you've got to take a state construction license exam or certification. Can't decide on what books or what chapters to study? Discover right now how you can eliminate unnecessary books and wasted study time. At ContractorExam.com, our study materials zero in on state-required test topics in an effective, multiple-choice format. So whether you're a plumber, electrician, general contractor, or other construction-related trade, ContractorExam.com will help get you prepared. Visit us at www.ContractorExam.com today. Are your Google search results killing you? Unflattering content in blogs, news articles, online reviews, social media, or other sources can jeopardize your reputation, your business, and your livelihood. Let Reputation.com help. Our patented technology will make the truth about you more visible while pushing down unwanted negative content. Improve your Google search results. Call Reputation.com at 1-800-831-0771 for a free consultation. That's 800-831-0771. We use mobile devices right against our bodies every day. But growing scientific evidence has emerged showing serious health risks associated with exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The solution is Defender Shield, the most effective mobile radiation shielding ever developed. Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation from cell phones, tablets, and laptops and starts at just $64.99. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. For 10% off, use promo code GCN. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in mobile radiation shielding. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just $19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV Hi, I'm Dr. Sam Nussbaum with the Anthem Foundation. Premature birth is the leading cause of death of babies and disabilities for children. That's why we support the March of Dimes to help mothers have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in supporting cutting-edge research, treatment and outreach to help moms during their pregnancy, and give every baby a healthy start in life. Learn how you can help at marchofdimes.org. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So I asked Kirk McElhern, OS 10 El Capitan, your experience, what about the fact that a lot of people out there are saying it's really, really bad. Well, it's interesting. I got an email yesterday or the day before from someone who was outlining a huge number of problems that he was having where he essentially had to wipe his Mac and reinstall everything from scratch. Just after you said this earlier about the negative ratings, I went to the App Store. And when you have ratings from one star to five star, you get a lot 
at each end and not too many in the middle. And right now there are just shy of 600 five-star ratings and over 800 one-star ratings and in the middle, 100, 140, 240. So people love it or hate it. I haven't really had any problems. There are a couple of tiny glitches, but I can't really think of anything that's like a deal breaker or that's cost me a lot of time or effort in, in fixing it. I installed El Capitan on my MacBook when the GM came out, um, the Goldmaster, and then I installed it on my iMac when the official release version came out. I don't know. It's been pretty reliable for me. I, I kind of wonder what all these problems are. I mean, I'm just looking at some of the comments. One person's talking about a USB hub. Another one's talking about had issues with an application using Java. Java's kind of something we should avoid these days. I don't know. I this is news to me. I, I really hadn't been paying attention to it because it's always the same. There's a small number of people who have problems and they're going to post about them in the forums and they're going to write reviews on, on the app store and things like that. It's, it's hard to know. So here's one talking about drives were unreadable, Microsoft Office, but of course, Microsoft fixed their office. And by the way, Apple fixed their part of the office thing. Yeah, it wasn't only Microsoft. That's that's obvious. El Capitan, serious install problem on MacBook Pro mid-2010. Now, I have a 17-inch MacBook Pro from sure. mid-2010, and they're using the 10.11.1 update as of October 22nd. Another one using the updated version, horrible upgrade, terrible, do not download, still too buggy, the fine details don't work yet. Problems on day one. Yes, but another one says works well on my Mac 2011 desktop. Maybe wait if you're running an older Mac, 24-inch iMac, early 2009. This one says solid update for most Macs. And another one says it's working awesome for me. So we're getting a complete range of issues here. I think there are two variables. The first is that Apple is offering compatibility with extremely old Macs, old in the relative sense, of course. Um, You said your 2010 MacBook Pro is compatible, and I think you can even go back uh, to 2009. You can go back older than that. It supports some Macs as old as 2007. The issue is here a 64-bit Intel Core chip. Right. Okay. So in that case, maybe there are other problems with older hardware that it's hard to nail down. But I I think one of the biggest problems is third-party software that people have installed, things that install system extensions that you just don't think about it because it worked fine under the last operating system, and you update, and all of a sudden something's broken. Um, Give you an example. My friend Rob Griffiths, he has a a LAS-C RAID device with five hard drives in it. They didn't update their software until like a week or two after El Capitan was released. Now, he was able to run it under El Capitan with no problems, but there are other devices that may have software that could be devices you're using all the time and that may need these drivers that aren't updated or aren't optimized or weren't updated correctly. That could cause a lot of problems on your Mac. It's hard to blame the user to say, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't be using this software because that's not right. Um, people who have this kind of problem should really consider, you know, what kind of software do they have it could be causing this problem that's not OS X. It's not that easy to find. You know, the average user can't find it. So you get people writing one-paragraph reviews on the Mac App Store. 
my mail is messed up since I download new upgrade, can't hardly use it. Well, what does that mean? You don't know what sort of a cause there can be to this. Maybe it's just that mail needs to re-download everything, and the guy has 12 gigabytes of Gmail, and it's going to take forever. These kinds of reviews are awfully, you got to take them with a grain of salt. You really do. Now, I think it's in Apple's interest to try and get in touch with these people and help them and resolve these problems. Because remember, if you've got a, a six or a seven or eight-year-old Mac, you don't have Apple Care anymore. You have zero support. So you're going to install a new operating system, and no one's going to help you except potentially um, Apple's support forums. Um, you'll get help from other users. And remember, too, here, we may have a situation here where you have problems that affect only a small number of users, and that makes it more difficult for Apple because, obviously, the problems that a lot of people have are easy to fix, but if only a handful of people have those problems, they have to duplicate the problem, find the source, come up with a solution, make sure the solution doesn't break something else. Exactly. It's not easy. And it may be that a lot of these problems are not Apple's fault. It's because of third-party software that's not savvy for El Capitan. And there are some fairly serious changes here that developers are still working on, especially because of the enhanced security features such as the rootless scheme. Yeah. System right. and, integrity and protection. That is really that causing havoc. Yeah. That's causing havoc. But then again, you also see some... Here's a one-star review that says, and this is the entire review, please, I don't like renewed beach ball. Please trash him. Someone gives it a one-star review because he doesn't like the beach ball. So... What can I tell you? It's not so easy. Here's another one. Worst update ever. Completely unnecessary. Period. Nothing else. So these one-star reviews are often pretty useless. They're not very useful at all. And you know what is sometimes it's also crowdsourcing when it comes to information like this. You know, people are having fun. Oh, he says it sucks. I'll come up with a more extreme term. And I'll try it too. Yeah. They're not serious. It doesn't mean there aren't problems. But also remember about the percentages. If you install El Capitan and have no problems, you're not going to write a review. I think it's always going to be weighed heavily towards people who have problems who take the time. Most people who install something like this, well, I don't care. It works good. Goodbye. Yeah, well, the five-star reviews are for people who are really excited and just want to share that. Um, but... Uh, again, you know, one of the one of the problems that I've seen over the years with uh, Macs and new operating systems is RAM, third-party RAM. I'm sure you've had this sort of problem where you may have third-party RAM that works in a Mac one year, and the, when you update the operating system, it doesn't. I uh, have not much- had that problem. I use RAM from a small number of suppliers like Crucial or Other World Computing. I never have a problem. Hey, we've got to end it now. Kirk McElhern, where do we find more of your stuff? You can visit my website called Kirkville. It's at McElhern.com. That's www.mcelhear.com. And you can find me over at Macworld, where I am the iTunes guy, and I write a whole lot of other things. Except no substitutes. You can find us on Twitter. We're known as Tech Night Owl. You can find Gene Steinberg on Facebook. If you see the guy wearing the plaid shirt, that weird-looking character who is not Lamont Cranston and does cast a reflection... More than likely, he's me. We have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called The Paracast. And this week, we go to Europe for our guest, Klaus Swan, 
from UFO Sweden. We're going to talk about ghost rockets. And this guy is a really, really great guest. Really solid, knowledgeable person, realistic about what's going on. Theparacast.com. We also have a special radio show that we're premiering. A little segment that we'll do a couple of times a week called Tech Night Owl Minute. But the only way to get that show is to join Tech Night Owl Plus, where you also get the ad-free version of this show without 41 minutes of network ads. To learn more, go to plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S.technightowl.com. We offer a very low subscription rate, starting at about the price of a Starbucks coffee every month. You can join for a year. You can join for five years. You can join for a lifetime. And the show has been on the air for 13 years already. We're going nowhere except up. Plus.technightowl.com. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks again, team. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.